would never be captivated by organized religion, but that we would always be captivated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, our message, interestingly enough, all the songs all point to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the title of the message is, Jesus Christ, Our Great High Priest. And uh, there's no one like Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and are hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Heavenly Father, again we come to you. And Lord, we are needy. We need you. We bow before you and we ask you to speak to us. We've sought to honor you in song and worship and praise and adoration. And now we honor you by hearing and obeying your word. But Lord, we need you to teach us. I ask you to fill me with your spirit, enable me. And Lord, may we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. May we look to you, our King, our God, our Savior, our Ruler. Lord, Stir our hearts for your glory. Give us a hunger for your word, a thirst for your righteousness. And Lord, if there are any in any of our services that have never believed in you, may today they hear the gospel and believe and be saved. Lord, I need you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. To the Jew, the high priest was the most important religious man. He had a very distinct duty. He had a very distinct role. He was to represent the people 
to God. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Jewish customs and traditions, it was the high priest who was the one who could enter into the Holy of Holies. You and I, if we would have been living in that day, we would not be able to go in. We would only be able to prepare our sacrifices, bring them to the priest, and he would have to go on our behalf. But we had this continual process of always having to go to him, always having to have that sacrifice, always having to prepare for that. Very laborious. And the writer is going to contrast for us the difference between the high priest that the Jews knew as a human and our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's vast difference. And you say, well, what does that have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. Because I want you to listen. If you hear nothing in my sermon, but you hear this, you can only have victory. You can only have victory in our King, High Priest, Jesus Christ. And the key to that victory is every day of our lives, every day of our lives, surrendering to Him as our High Priest, surrendering to Him as our King, surrendering to Him as our Lord and Savior, seeking after His righteousness, seeking after Him, only can we have that victory? Only can we experience that victory? Too much of our lives are being wasted on things that matter not. Too much of our lives are spent on drama. Too much of our lives are spent on things that really amount to nothing but men's opinions. Some of the best pastors I've ever met and ministers, they can relate to people because of their pasts. Um, Pastor Duke relates to people very well because he has a past. He understands that he is a sinner. And he can relate to sinners. And then when you realize that as a minister that you yourself are a sinner, you need the supreme sacrifice, then you can look to the one who can deliver you, who can save you, who can help you. Then you can point others to look to the one who can help them, who can deliver them, who can save them. Jesus Christ is superior to everyone. And I want you to know that there is plenty of grace in Jesus Christ to get you to the finish line. There's plenty of grace, there's plenty of power in Christ to get you home. Jesus is God's superior king, son, high priest. Now three references he gives to us in the Bible in this in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17, he is our high priest in things pertaining to God. In chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus is our high priest concerning our confession. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, He is our high priest in the heavenlies, the Bible says. It is very clear that Jesus Christ is now our high priest. And He is going, the writer is going to show us, make a distinction, a contrast 
between those high priests that were human and this superior son, king, Jesus, high priest. There is a big difference. Would you read with me in verse 1? For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and thanks pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. There are five things in this text that reveals about the human high priest. Now, the human high priest was that priest who was the high priest of the Jewish religion. He was the one who worked in the temple. And uh, after the order of Aaron had to be an Aaron's, Aaron's uh, uh, heredity, his line of heredity there. And uh, these men had at least five criteria. Number one, they were just men. They were just men. It kills me to see people worshiping ministers today. They're just men. We're just men. Failures. Sinners. And no one has really ever fit the pastor until he, or he realizes that he, in fact, is a sinner himself. Just a man. Every high priest taken from among men. And, and I will tell you this, and I, I really, frankly, I'm not being, trying to be mean or rude or anything, but I don't care what people think. I care what the Bible says, and this word for men is very gender specific. Women couldn't be it. It was men. It was men. So these human high priests, they were just men. I was reading, um, I'm spending very little Facebook time now. So if you post something and I don't comment or like it, I don't, I'm not mad at you. I, I'm just not, I'm not on there. There was a preacher on there the other day, and he was listing all these things. He was going on about the Asbury Revival. He was going on about this movie that's coming out. He was doing all this stuff, and he was talking about Christians and those who would go to that revival or that, that would go to the movie or whatever. And he was saying, he said something like this, very derogatory, very over and over. And then this last phrase was this, you all need to get your head out of your sanctified rear end. And I thought, that does not represent Christ very well. And uh, the longer I sat there, the angrier I got. Is anybody else like that? And I stared at that screen, and I closed it, and I walked away, and I said, I've wasted enough time on this stuff. Oh, but, but before I closed it, I see you later, buddy. I don't need that. I don't need that garbage in my life. I'm going to tell you, listen, these guys are just men. They're just men. Any guy that gets up and tells you to worship him and do what he says and he's God's man and uses all these terms, he's just a man. He can't do one iota for your salvation. Number two, he was appointed for men. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. So if you were a Jew and you wanted to get to God, you had to go through the high priest. That's why he said at the end of chapter 4 that you can boldly come to the throne. Because you don't have to go through that high priest. We have a great high priest that has torn the veil from top to bottom and brings us in by faith. They were appointed for men in things pertaining to God. That's the third thing. They represented people to God. 
I, you know, even if you were just a priest, you weren't a high priest, you were a temple servant, temple priest, you know, I would have been nothing more, I feel like, than a butcher, sacrificing animals all day, sacrificing animals all day. That does not sound appealing to me. I like this dispensation of being a, a grace pastor. Can I say amen there? But they represented man to God. Number four, they were men of compassion. Notice what he said, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Verse 2, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. The high priest had compassion on the people because he understood that he himself was a sinner. Just a man, just a sinner. And today you got these preachers who are high and mighty looking down the rim of their glasses at everyone else. Not realizing that they too are sinners. Church, listen to me. We've got to have compassion for lost people. Can I tell you, lost people are going to act like lost people. Now what's really bad is when church people act like lost people. But this person could not have been a strict legalist. I'm going somewhere with this. We're building on this foundation. Stay with me. Why are we laborious? Well, because it's the text and we're, we're laying out the text. Couldn't be a strict legalist. He had to have compassion for people. Ones who tell you you can't do this, you can't do that. You have to wear this. You have to wear that. You have to listen to this. I've been in churches where if someone walked through the door and saw a drum set, they would like, you know, I mean, I mean, literally gasp. I've always often thought about it and wondered what they must be thinking when they get to heaven. I would almost like to hide in the corner and see when they get to heaven. And there are, there are creatures that were created to do nothing but around the throne day after day after day shouting holy, holy, holy. Worship is something in heaven. I'm quite enjoying it. I'll just be honest with you. Number five, they offered sacrifices and offerings for sin. They had to offer up on behalf of the congregation, but guess what else they had to do? They had to offer on behalf of themselves because they too were sinners. In the midst of taking everyone else's sacrificial lamb, they couldn't forget that they too had to offer up a sacrificial lamb because they were sinners. They were just Men, they were not supernatural. And the point is, even though he was a high priest back then, he still needed a high priest. Now, the writer to Hebrews is talking to those who know very well about Judaism. Some say, scholars say, that there were some who were coming to faith in Christ and as a result of a period of time, they hadn't grown. And because they hadn't grown, they started reverting back to Judaism. They wanted to go back under the law. They wanted to go back and do the touch not, taste not, handle not, all those things. The 613 Mosaic laws that they wanted to do. 
And the writer is saying, no, listen, this is what this high priest can do for you. Let me tell you what the great high priest has done for you. For you. In verse 5. So also, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but was, it was he who said to him. He makes a transition from those historic high priests who were just men, who were not supernatural, who could not do anything for you, to the one who can do everything for you. There's a big contrast here. Not even in the same ballpark contrast. Not even in the same universe contrast. And he says there's four things about Jesus as our high priest. Number one, he did not seek to glorify himself, but the, the Father declared him to be the great high priest. He did not seek to glorify himself. As a matter of fact, all the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary came as an act of submission, voluntarily laying down his will, humbling himself to the point of death. No high priest has done that for you. No preacher's ever given his life for you. Jim Jones didn't drink the Kool-Aid before he gave everyone else the Kool-Aid. He was one of the last. This is a total different high priest we're talking about here. Not only did he not glorify himself, but notice he says in verse 6, as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever. In the last part of verse 5, you are my son, the father declared. Two things, you are my son and you are a priest forever. He is the son high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, everybody wants to argue over Melchizedek and this king of Salem that appeared in Genesis, and they want to go back, and what does all that mean? I'll tell you what he's talking about right here. We'll talk about him again later in Hebrews. But suffice enough to say this. He was both a king and a high priest. What is he emphasizing? The writer is emphasizing that Jesus is, in fact, both king and high priest. He is son of God, king, Lord of lords, king of kings, and he is high priest. That's why he brings Melchizedek into it. It's after that order, after that likeness. King, high priest. So what does that have to do with us? It tells us that this high priest is not just an ordinary high priest fallen along in Aaron's lineage. No, this is the Son of God. Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. Verse 7 who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, Jesus, number two, our high priest, offered prayer and supplication. Now, notice what he says. With vehement cries and tears. Plural. Vehement cries and tears. You know that the Bible tells us that Jesus is, in fact, our intercessor, and He is our advocate, both. There are some specific times we know in, in the Bible that Jesus cried. 
We know He stood at the tomb of Lazarus and He wept. We know that He looked out over Jerusalem and He wept at all the people as sheep being led to the slaughter without a shepherd. We know that He cried in the garden when of Gethsemane the night before He went to the cross of Calvary. This writer indicates that Jesus Christ, our high priest, was crying tears over us. Could it have been in that garden, bound up with the wrath of God, were the vehement cries and tears on our behalf? You see, Jesus Christ is the compassionate high priest. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Whatever you're going through right now, maybe you're not going through anything at this moment. Uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say, there's a Christian is either going into a trial, he's in the middle of a trial, or he's just coming out of a trial. And everyone in this room perhaps fits in that category, one of those categories. You have a high priest that cares about what you care about. You, you might get a little upset and say, well, you know, it's just my little thing. Nobody really cares. It's not a big deal. If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to him. Why do we have this deity that's distant from us? Why do we feel like God is some cosmic grandfather with a fistful of lightning bolts waiting to strike us? With, like Harry said, I read that book. I thought I knew something about the love of Christ. But I, I didn't know the depths of the love of God until this author took the scriptures and laid it out. And it opened my eyes to the fact at how much Jesus Christ loves sinners. How much He loves sinners. He's compassionate, high priest. I will tell you this. Jesus Christ loves you so much, if you were the only one, He still would have went to the cross. And we have the audacity to be sidetracked by organized religion. We have the audacity to argue about this and say, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and yada, 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 yada. We ought to really, really, really be thankful that we have a high priest that is compassionate and cares about our needs, our hurts, our desires. Peter says, and I believe Peter is speaking from experience when he says, Casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. That great compassionate high priest. But then he goes on and says something else. He says, With vehement cries and tears to Him who was able to save Him from death and was heard because of His godly fear, verse 8, Though he was a son, 
Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. The third thing about our high priest, Jesus, is that he learned perfect obedience through suffering. Humanity speaking, humanly speaking. I will tell you this. Obedience is learned. How do I know that? How many of you have children? Did your children just grow up all, all the time being obedient? No. Some of us are still not obedient. <laughs> uh, but anyways. Obedience is learned. And according to the scripture, Jesus learned perfect obedience through suffering. You know, suffering is a great teacher. Suffering is a great teacher. Now, we don't want to talk about it, but it is a great teacher. And our high priest suffered on our behalf. And you know, I have found in my life, there have been times in my life where I might be going through something, and I found that I was disobedient in one area, and I was aloof to it. And I realized that what I was going through was a result of my disobedience. There are times when <clears throat> I, I, I am talking with someone and perhaps they're struggling with something and all this, and I say, did you ever think that the reason you're in this predicament is because it's consequences of what you're doing? There's a fourth thing about our high priest, Jesus. He finished the course of salvation. Look at verse 9. And having been perfected, completed, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And we know from a previous study, obedience here in this context means belief. All those who believe in him. He finished the course for salvation. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life. And he went to the cross of Calvary, and he died on the cross. He was buried, and he arose from the grave. Not one time in any of that time did he ever sin. He lived a perfect life to die on the cross of Calvary for us. He finished the course of salvation, the author of eternal salvation. This was not something that they thought, well, you know, uh, it didn't work. The garden thing didn't work. And Adam and Eve, you know, what are we going to do now, Lord? And, uh, well, you know, uh, well, if you wanted to, you could go down. No, that's ridiculous. This was always the plan from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ was always going to die on the cross. It's not plan B, it's plan A. It's just being unfolded. But you and I like to put all of God's things in our things. And uh, as we'll see a little later in our, our Isaiah study of Isaiah, your ways are not our ways, O oh Lord. Your thoughts are not our thoughts, Lord. Yours are so much higher. Now he has this contrasting of this earthly priest that can do nothing for you, and this great high priest, Jesus the King, who can do everything for you. Again, after the order of Melchizedek, king, high priest, king, high priest. And then out of nowhere, he gives them a reprimand. Notice what he says. Follow. I'm, I'm going to bring this plane to the land here. Verse 11. 
of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. This was a condition of denigration. It was not a condition that just, that's the way they were. They once were listening. They once were serving. They once were committed. But now they've become dull of hearing. They're not hearing the words of Scripture. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. The first thing he says here is the need, their need to grow. How does he get from the high priest of the earth to the kingly high priest now to I need to grow? How, does that, how do we connect the dots? I'll tell you how. They found it easier rather than by faith, living by faith and trusting in the eternal high priest king, it was easier for them if they would revert back to Judaism under the high priest of a man and they would offer that sacrifice and then they could live however they wanted to live. They hadn't grown in their faith. Now listen to me. If you have a child and that child is not growing, you take that child to the doctor and you want to find out what's wrong with that child. Right? Something, and I'm not using this in a derogatory term, you can't even say a word anymore. People are offended by everything. Uh, I'm not even going there. Micro wrestling, right? We grew up with midget wrestling. Now it's micro. It means the same thing. I mean, okay, so anyways, it's not like I'm Jolly Green Giant here, okay, so. But the need to grow. If, if this child was not growing, we would say that their growth is retarded. No, I'm not being derogatory. I'm, I mean, their growth is retarded. It, it's something's hindering it, something's stopping it. Why are we okay within the church? Well, just, you know, whatever, just give a few more dollars. Just pray harder. Just, you know. The fact that they were infants, the fact that they should be teaching, but they're not able to teach, that somebody has to come along and teach them again the very elementary principles of Christianity... Remind them that Jesus is the high priest. He's not like those humanly high priests. He's the king. He's the Lord of all glory. The fact that they were spiritually infant testified to that they needed to grow. And guys, listen to you, to me. We, we've got to get to this place in our lives where we are growing. We are moving forward in the faith. That's biblical. That's biblical. There's no principle in the Bible where someone comes to faith and then they just stop. There's not any recorded illustrations of that. Because we're to be being conformed into the image of Christ. We're to be growing in our relationship with the Lord. We're to be growing in our service to the Lord. They had a great need. Secondly, they had a a process of growth. 
For though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have not, or, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The process of growth is the meat of the word. And church, we're facing a crisis today because there are many in the church who never open their Bible from Sunday to Wednesday or Sunday to Sunday. It's like God's going to supernaturally download it while we're sleeping or something. It doesn't work that way. If you're going to grow into mature Christian, you have to have the Word of God. Yet, they didn't want it really. They didn't want the Word of God. What happens when believers get into the steady meat of the Word? When they get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets in them, there are fantastic results. And this result that is so imperative, especially in the day we live, he says the result of this growth is discernment. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. They're mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The writer says this knowledge of Jesus Christ as our high priest and our king should motivate us to be in his word. And when we're in his word, then we will have discernment and we'll know what we should do and what we should not do, what is right and what is wrong. And it all hinges on Jesus. It all hinges on Jesus. No one on this earth can do for you what Jesus Christ has done for you. Yet, people put human people before King, High Priest, Jesus. You know... There will be a day when we stand before Jesus Christ. And it's not going to be like a casual thing and how you doing? Well, you know, Lord, I was just consumed with my career. I was consumed with all this. And I really, no, 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 no. See, our problem is we've lost sight of who Jesus Christ really is. We don't see him as our high priest. We don't see him as our king. We don't see him as our Lord. We see him as our Savior, but we don't see him as our Lord. We don't see him as one that was not seeking to glorify himself, but the Father declared him to be our high priest. We don't see him as the one who with vehement tears offered up prayer and supplication on our behalf. We don't see him as that compassionate Savior, King, High Priest that He is. We don't see Him as the suffering on the cross because of my sin and because of your sin. We don't see Him as that kind of High Priest. We see Him as a genie to get us out of trouble when we need Him. And that's killing us. It's killing us. It's killing the church. We're so far down the road... 
that we have to have a discussion when several thousand people start seeking the Lord. We have to have a discussion of whether it's genuine or not. It's not our place to say whether it's genuine or not. It's our, face, our, our place to fan the flame. Because Jesus Christ is our kingly high priest, we must move on to maturity. If you don't understand this, you will not understand chapter 6 next week. You and I have to move on to maturity. There is no example in Scripture of someone who came to faith in Christ and walked away from it and said, that's it, I'm done. I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm not going to do anything else. Yet people say that about us all the time. Never preach that from this pulpit. I don't think it's ever been preached from this pulpit. People before me preached were good men of God preaching the word of God. Everything we need in a high priest we have in Jesus. Jesus is so much more. I feel even funny for saying that statement. Not even in the same ballpark. No comparison. And the key to victory is by faith pursuing maturity in Christ Jesus, our high priest. I am learning as I get older, and some of you have probably are already there. I am learning as I get older that there truly is joy in the Lord. Serving the Lord. Fellowship with the Lord. Brother Derek and Caitlin have uh, eight or ten of our teenagers out at camp this weekend. And uh, they're taking a, out to Side Hills had a, a camp. And they're having a blast. And they're, 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 they're studying the Word of God. We're teaching them our very best in our Awana programs in our Sunday school program, and from this pulpit, we're teaching people to seek after Jesus Christ. Don't seek after religion. Don't seek after all that other stuff. Seek after Jesus Christ. Seek Him. He is the kingly high priest. He is the one who finished the course of our salvation. And all of joy comes from knowing Him and abiding, and loving, and worshiping, and serving King Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. We employees, well, I'm kind of, I won't say that, I'll say most employees, I I get to be blessed, I get to do this full time, but most employees, you work at a place where you're just a number. If you were to die today, they'd have your job posted by Monday of next week. And I'm just telling you, that's, that's the truth of the matter. But you know what? If you're, if you're born again, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you will be with Jesus forever. And there's nothing like it. In the world. The whole argument is this. Why would you turn from the real high priest and go back to that organized religion that will do nothing for you? Why don't you move forward 
with Jesus. Why don't you today, church, put the pedal to the metal for Jesus? Why don't you take the, the governor off, take it off cruise control, smash her to the floor, and go on a ride with Jesus like you've never gone on before? Why don't you choose today that I'm going to start worshiping Him every day of my life? I'm going to start serving Him. I'm going, I'm going to start. I'm going to move forward to maturity. I'm going to be in His Word because I want His Word in me because He is my high priest, my King, my Lord, my Savior. You do that. You're stepping towards joy. In the midst of all that Nehemiah faced, I still think it's a, a, a mark. It is a miracle. 52 days they built the wall around the city. 52 days. Modern sh machinery, they can't pave a road in six months. The first 10 years I was pastor of this church, was construction was going on somewhere around here to pave one road. Yeah, and they dig it up and redo it. That's okay. That's all right. We, we agree, brother. We agree. Let me ask you this, church. You know what Nehemiah said was the key? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Remember we used to sing that? I'm not going to sing it. There's a good place to say amen right there. But we used to sing that song, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We, we used to teach that at, our, at the church camp we were at. The kids would sing it. Of course, I had someone else leading. So, Let me ask you a question, church. Are you moving forward with the high priest? Or are you looking back? Are you moving forward with Jesus to maturity or not? Would you join me for prayer, please? Father, we love you.